Hello, podcast listener. The App Guy podcast. Every Sunday and Thursdays. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Paul Kemp, and it's my great pleasure to invite a guest on today who's going to inspire us, I think, from his journey. Steve Richardson, the author of Becoming a Better Leader in 30 Days, and he has 30 years of uh, experience, really, as an entrepreneur. So a real warm welcome to the App Guy podcast, Steve. Well, thank you, Paul. It's so nice to be on the show, and it's great to be able to share with your listeners today. We appreciate you taking the time out, and, uh, we, and we know that we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. So perhaps the first thing then is to really get to know you and your journey, your story, your, your business. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'd be happy to. You know, I'm a, I'm a kid that grew up in California uh, in the United States, out on the beach, and uh, probably one of my f- most fond memories is I was um, out on the beach with my friends the day that the Beach Boys introduced their song, uh, Surfing USA, and we all shouted a big hooray when they said Redondo Beach LA in their song. And that was back in the 60s, and pretty much since that time, I've uh, lived in the Southern California area, and that's where I've spent most of my time uh, with my education and with the various uh, business enterprises that I started and owned and ran. And even now, um, I'm still in Southern California, and, and I now live in Seal Beach. So I, you just couldn't get me away from the beach. How close are you to the beach? And we're about three miles from the pier. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so so it so it's fun almost every day, and uh, and, and we enjoy that. Um, let me tell you a little bit about my uh, journey. You know what I did for many years in my life is not something that when you're five years old you sit and say, "Oh, I think I want to do that." Because for most of my adult career, I spent my time either walking into crisis situations or helping to turn around either for-profit or non-profit organizations. And so people often ask, well, how does one become one of those? And um, it, it, it's a very, very odd journey. Um, I came out of a family of businessmen, and I also came out of a family of ministers. And so somewhere with that odd combination and background, I ended up pursuing a degree in theology, but ended up moving into business. And so early on, um, I owned a uh, religious uh, book and gift store that was fairly successful that I owned for five or six years then sold. And then um, I went through owning a roofing company, which was one of the more dismal personal learning experiences in my life. And we can talk more about that, Paul, if you'd like. And then I really um, moved more into consulting to smaller family businesses that were on a success track but needed help in moving to larger corporate models. 
And I probably worked in that arena and then also walking into large nonprofits who were in crisis and did that for about 15 years. And then somewhere around 1999, uh, my family really was weary of me being in a very high-stress turnaround mode. Most turnarounds take about 24 months to accomplish, and I'd done maybe five uh, in a 10-year period. And they said, we'd like you to do something else. And so I took a break and thought about that. And uh, I came across an, uh, a community college here in Southern California that was trying to build a foundation. And so I said, hmm, maybe I can help them build their foundation and, and then scale back my consulting and only take on those particular projects that I really think I can have significant impact. And that's what I've been doing, Paul, for the last 15 years. And, and I have to say, it's, it's, it's been great. Well, it's a wonderful story, and we're really going to dig in deep uh, with some of the aspects you've mentioned. The reason, it, this is the App Guy podcast, and there are indie app developers, and w but there were also business owners and entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. And I think the, the relevant uh, aspect of some of the things you've mentioned is perhaps the more recent times uh, that you've uh, got into writing a book. Tell us a little bit about that part of it, the, the writing a book and how that uh, felt for you and, and how you got through it. Well, thanks, Paul. I'd love to. Um, how that began was I have a – during all the years I was turning companies around, I developed quite a close group of associates and friends. And those friends for the last 15 years have been on my case to write a book on leadership. And, you, you know, this is a funny phenomena. Sometimes when you are a leader, uh, you, you don't even begin to know how to tell somebody else how to lead. It, it, and, it, and I find it very you, – you can do it. Explaining it is a is a really difficult thing, and so I struggled with that. And also, I had a bunch of books on my shelf on leadership, and and I would look at the books on my shelf and say, you know, I just don't want to be another guy who writes on leadership theory and ten ways to be a leader, and then have nobody ever nobody's life ever changed. And so that kind of bogged me down, and then. I just had a terrible discipline about writing. I just hated writing. And so I was, I can tell you, I had every reason in the book, every time one of my friends asked me to write a book, why I didn't want to write a book, why I couldn't write a book. And I struggled with that until actually just a few months ago. And I was sitting out on my patio and I actually had my iPad in front of me and I was reading a novel on Kindle because you know reading novels is one of the greatest ways to procrastinate from writing that you'll ever find and so I'm reading the novel and I'm looking down at the bottom of it and I'd seen this many times but you know they don't do page numbers anymore and and I'm looking at that location thing and it just hit me Paul Steve you're, you're you've been kinda hung up on the fact that you think you need to write something so insightful um, you're, that you need to have meaty chapters that you've just talked yourself out of doing anything. And I said, okay, maybe I have. And so I took a sheet of paper and I said to myself, write down 
write down some concepts that you believe in and that you exercise every day in leadership. And so I did. And, and the list, Paul, got down to maybe 27, 28 items. And as I got to that number, another thought hit me. I said, you know, it takes 25 to 30 days for a person to actually begin to change their habit. And it was like a, a light bulb went on. And I looked at my list and I, I modified it a little bit. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with 30 concepts. And then off that little story I told you about my Kindle, I gave myself permission to not have to write anything more than what I actually wanted to say. And so I gave myself permission to maybe write a one-page chapter. And then because I really want to help people and I want people really to have an opportunity to have the lights come on and change their leadership habits, I created a little activity for each one of those days and thus was born Become a Better Leader in 30 Days. And the amazing thing was, Paul, I struggled for 10 years with all sorts of excuses why I didn't want to write a book. And once I had that breakthrough, I wrote the book in two and a half months. And from the time I finished that, we edited it in about um, another two and a half months. And and, um, that's this whole process to to give your listeners a time frame. I, I probably seriously started writing the book in April. And the book was actually published and available for sale by the mid-November. That's incredible. And if it, it was yeah. personally for me, Paul. It, 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 was, it was almost life-changing for me to break through my own little walls I had set up about why I didn't want to do something. Well, it seems to be fairly common out there. I was listening recently to a podcast where uh, someone mentioned uh, this author, Donald Miller, and he wrote uh, quite a successful book and then just had this blank for four years. And uh, he had to make changes like yourself and, and have this realization that you have to give yourself permission. So uh, I just want the listeners to think about this because, you know, if you're out there, if you know uh, how to write apps, for instance, if you know about coding you've got a book inside you right now and you could take inspiration from this story by steve to to actually give yourself permission to write a book and um, i think that's just a wonderful story so tell us how your life has changed since writing the book well paul it it's it's changed in ways that i did not anticipate when i just broke through the barrier and did the writing because you know once you break through the barrier you only your focus is a little short-sighted. In other words, uh, get the manuscript, get it edited, get it published, have one in your hand and say, yippee yay, I did this, you know, and and take that check off your bucket list. And I did that. And then I have a daughter who is a marketing professional who says to me, well, dad, uh, we now have to come up with a promotional strategy for your book because you know, obscurity is the death of an author. And I said, huh, I hadn't thought about that. And so I suddenly, uh, for most of my life, I had been a contented social media voyeur. And my daughter informed me that, Dad, we're going to embark on a grassroots social media campaign to get you and your book out there. And so that was just like throwing somebody into the deep end of the pool. Paul, because I went from being that happy social media voyeur to suddenly having a blog, a YouTube channel, 
being on Twitter. The second thing that was really surprising to me was meeting wonderful people like yourself. Uh, I did not know that the world of podcast uh, interviews and dialogue existed. And so this has been amazingly exciting. And I'll, and I'll give you two examples of things that I could not have anticipated because of just getting the book written and then opening myself up to be available through social media. Um, I got contacted by a high school teacher who is working at a high school academy with um, juniors and seniors on entrepreneurship and leadership. So she came across one of the podcasts, that the one that I actually did with Entrepreneur on Fire. She emails me and says, Steve, would you be willing to Skype in and, and do a video call with my high school class and launch our discussion on leadership and ethics? And I said, well, that sounds great. I'd be more than happy to do that. And uh, we did that this past week, in fact, and just it was a great time. And it was so um, personally rewarding to answer high school students' questions. And then because of the book being out there in the big world, I got a call from a community college way up in Oregon that's exploring some organizational questions. And they just wanted to have a conversation with me on Skype. And we did that. So there's just been lots of things that I would have never anticipated simply because we were willing to now take that next step and put ourselves out there. And Steve, well, the great thing about this technology is that people are listening to you now. Some of those people I know are based in Bali, uh, Bangkok, and Thailand, uh, all over the place. And it's just a wonderful medium to get your voice heard and get your story out there. So one of the things you mentioned during that was that your daughter is a marketing professional. And I know that you've worked with family before you've got some experience of what it's like to um, be around family as app entrepreneurs we often get an opportunity to work with our friends our family i've got an example where i had a friend who gave me a business idea um, could you talk through what it's like to work with family and friends any advice you've got for for us who uh, perhaps got the same opportunities well i, I do i i've worked with lots of families and friends through the years. Um, you mentioned my daughter. Um, I think the easiest way to work with family is when it's a very specialized area that you're working with them on. In other words, um, you know, Megan, my daughter, is not trying to tell me how to write my book or how to do how to speak or how to do any of the things I do. Uh, and she has a particular expertise that I have almost zero expertise in. And so that working relationship ha has been quite helpful. And secondarily, there's no money involved. It, we're, we're just helping each other because we're family. Now, I've also had a family business. I mentioned earlier that I had a roofing company. And there I really was involved money-wise with some family members who had an expertise in roofing. And I was bringing in some expertise on the business side. And in reality, uh, that got very complicated and um, was hard because I gave more credit to what their expertise was than the financial investment 
merited and they did really had no understanding of the business side and were not trusting enough and and Paul that just created all sorts of headaches for about a two and a half year period in my life and like you you know we lost some money on that little venture and so that taught me one very valuable lesson about family is that especially if you're going to have a significant money investment that you have to treat family as you would any stranger in this sense that you fully have to vet out the business plan and if the business plan can't stand on its own apart from the fact that you're family members then it probably can't stand well i feel like i need to confess here because um i have also been in the roofing business but only for three weeks it was <laughs> Uh, just after I finished uni, I did a. Um, I was working around the world and ended up in Australia and surfers paradise and got a job as a roofer. And it was probably, even though I was living in a place that was called paradise, it was the worst ever three weeks of my life. I mean, the roofing job itself was was pretty hard, and so um, I can see why you you didn't have a good time in that particular business. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, you're right. You know, when when money is involved and family and friends are involved, it becomes really hard. And um, it's just such great advice. So if you're if you're out there and you're thinking about setting up a business, treat that family or friend uh, that you potentially could work with as uh, as a business opportunity that you would any other business opportunity, and yeah, see it. Yeah, for its, yeah, it's great advice. So uh, that's. You know, like that's really interesting talking about that. There's a lot, obviously, a lot of relevance between what we do and uh, your experience as well. One of the things, Steve, that I have started doing in my life, and it seems to have made a change. I'm using apps to help me in this. Is giving back, and I was really interested in hearing your thoughts and how we could live a more fulfilled life or a purpose-driven life by giving back. Could you tell, talk about that? Well, I, I can. Um, I remember when I was sharing with your listeners about my business journey and uh, th- there was a large period of time there where I was um, consulting, turning companies around and doing those things. And when I set back from that and when I shifted to this new adventure of helping a community college build a foundation, um, it was really an opportunity for me to give back in in several ways uh, to give back uh, my business knowledge of how to build a nonprofit organization my business knowledge of how to really grow relationships and maximize and so uh, we through the, through that organization we have just given away hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships uh, to worthy students and um, you know even with all the companies I turned around I probably still and more heart tugged by um, a student at a community college who receives a thousand dollar scholarship and is as grateful as it, as if you had just given them a million dollars. And so the last 15 years in um, in helping students who are economically disadvantaged uh, has been very rewarding and has actually um, help to even broaden my own business perspective when I actually go back on the other side and do some consulting. So, so it, yes, giving back is great. And to see the impact that it has on people is even better. Yeah, the, re- the reason I ask that as well is that because we are using technology to help us uh, 
give back. And I, I know that in California, where you live, there are stories coming out that developers are creating these apps to give back. So um, there was a recent story about a developer who uh, created this app to give to the homeless. Uh, you, it was an easy way of giving to a specific person uh, on the street corner. And, um, you know, there's a lot of these different charity apps coming out. I just thought it's like an interesting subject, you know, how we can use technology uh, to help us uh, give back. Yeah, you know, we use it, um, we use it at our foundation. We, we use the technology, but, you, you know, the the way the thing you have to do with technology and i and i don't know how to do this is that we're not the only people giving and so there's a whole group of us giving and how to connect those people consistently uh, not only to make them aware of a need but also to show them how the needs being met is is always a challenge on what I call the app side or the portal side of how we're relating to people in terms of giving these days. Yeah, I think that's why this particular app, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes when I remember it, but it, it gave you um, the ability to give to a specific person and you know the money's actually, or the help is going directly to that one person. I don't, whether it's um, buying them a blanket or a, getting them um, some food uh, it just um, I thought it was a really interesting idea because it, it all well, that almost, sounds like yeah. a terrific app yeah I'll uh, put that on the show notes uh, and also any uh, other things that if you're listening uh, just go to onemob.com that's o-n-e-m-o-b.com hit podcast and you'll see the episode episode 42 with Steve Richardson and all the show notes will be there uh, and I've just got to talk about your location as well I think that uh, living in California is where uh, all the action is happening in terms of uh, apps and what what's it like living there? You've lived there for quite a few years. T- talk a little bit about the location and make us all jealous. Well, <laughs> well you, know, you know, native Southern Californians, we have an inside rule that we don't talk about Southern California because if we start talking about that it's the weather is wonderful and that we can't think of any other place we'd rather live in the world that we're afraid that everybody will now come and so we always say let's have just a couple three earthquakes a year not big ones but just enough to shake a few people scared so they don't want to stay here uh, <laughs> uh we love southern Cal- we we love southern california it's a very active place um you know for someone like myself um it's it's a great environment uh, lots of companies, lots of people wanting to discuss leadership and, and other business-related issues. And so uh, it's always been fertile ground for uh, not only a, a really pleasant weather-friendly lifestyle, but also for business. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, your speaking gigs. And uh, we've got people listening to this who are experts in their field and get uh, opportunities to speak perhaps you could just talk through how you actually go about getting your speaking gigs and um, you know how you get connected in that way well for for many years the the speaking was very related to the consulting so you would walk into an organization and there were certain things that uh, you needed to address organizationally but 
that message had to be sent to the larger group of people. And so there was always ample opportunity to speak to large groups of people, to set vision, tone, to do some motivational speaking. Um, since I wrote, um, I'll, t I'll tell you what's been interesting. Uh, I kind of stepped back from a lot of speaking over the last few years. But since I wrote the book, it's like it's just reinvigorated people wanting me to come and speak again, as, as, especially on the particular topic of leadership. And so um, I would say actually publishing is a great way to stimulate your speaking opportunities. Now, I know that most people have heard it the other way, that a lot of speaking is the best way to uh, write and sell books. But I've, I've just now discovered that by writing the book, it's actually given a, a new spark a new audience of listeners who would like to hear me speak to that subject. And I'm almost thinking if anything's changing in that world. Um, for example, in um, episode 36, I had a great guest called Matt Frazier, who's a, a young lad who runs a blog, and he wrote his first book. Um, it's called No Meat Athlete. And he'd had this wonderful story of um, actually... Uh, going um, against the publisher's uh, wishes and organizing his own book tour. And then he just set off around America and uh, used social media to uh, establish all these different uh, meetups with his fans. And when he was going down California, I think he had hundreds of people in the different locations that would come and meet him. He would then arrange uh, events or have owners host those events. And that was all through Twitter and Facebook. And so uh, I just think that the landscape is changing. And I, I wondered if um, what, what sort of invitations you're getting to speaking gigs, uh, who, who uh, is, you know, requiring your, your services as a speaker? Well, here, here's where it's um, here where it's, is where it shifts. Um, I'm getting a lot of invites um, and I don't know what you would call these in other parts of the world, but you're familiar with the phrase Chamber of Commerces? Yes, we have a lot of them over here in the UK. Okay, well, we have a we have business Chamber of Commerces for almost every city, and, you know, we just got cities nonstop throughout the entire Southern California region. Uh, I'm getting a lot of invites to come speak to uh, their groups of HR managers that are part of their chamber or to come speak on organizational design or how to lead your business better through to through the chambers and so the chambers have been a great source for speaking engagements um, and um, actually it's a very fertile ground to expose people to the book and so right now some some of especially in speaking to chambers not only do you get to speak and then you'll have business owners in those chambers that would ask you to come in and do some speaking for their companies but you also um, are they're able to hear you and then all of a sudden they want to read your book too so it, it has a lot of um, positive place so I've been doing a lot of that so if your listeners are unaware of that possibility it would be a very uh, it's been very good for me you know it's, it's a great suggestion because a lot of us do get wrapped up in the whole digital world and forget that there are organizations the chambers of commerce that can help us uh, and you know they're they're really important to get connected with uh, i used to be a lot more connected to the chamber of commerce um, a few years ago when i was uh, uh, running a bricks and mortar business 
and mm-hmm. uh, I seem to be I, I seem to be less connected with them now because maybe it's the the move into digital um, but uh, yeah I, I think one thing that you, that for your listeners that are considering uh, writing a book is that once once you make that step to write a book even though your content it could be absolutely innovative and fantastic people buy books because they connect with you emotionally and so the more opportunity you force yourself into to actually smile at people shake hands talk to them um, they will then have a different attitude toward your book regardless of how good the content is and and I'm assuming the content would be really good but people still have to really connect emotionally with you and that's where we can use uh, technology apps for example Uh, there's a lot of different apps that are coming out people will be listening to this Uh, 80% of the people listening are going to be on their phones smartphone and uh, just by a way of interest what phone do you carry Steve you know Paul I I am an iPhone user right okay well you know every time I ask that um, it's a majority are iPhone users and uh, well, I'm a big iPhone fan so that's good and um, I love my iPhone <laughs> yeah, well, we would like this is the app guy podcast we love talking about apps perhaps um, we could get one or two recommendations of apps that you use in your day to day life well, you, you know, in my day-to-day life, I'm probably, I'm probably a boring business guy. And so I can tell you apps I look at all the time. Of course, I look at my calendar and mail apps consistently. I, I, I feel like I'm chained to them. Uh, my weather app, I, ha- I manage a, a fairly significant portfolio, and so I use stock apps all the time to uh, check up what I'm doing. And then I use all the social media apps pretty regularly on my on my iPhones, be it uh, and for your listeners, uh, the ones I use the most is LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and fa- Facebook and YouTube. And then um, you know, I have a couple of little apps that I use quite a bit in my business but may not be long well known. I, I have a little mileage app because I do a lot of business travel and and it's just called MyLog and so I use that and it's just simple 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 and I can record round trip distances and it automatically calculates how much how many cents I get per mile driven and it allows me to email that report at the end of a month right to my secretary and and I and I love that and so those those are apps I use every day and I just need to mention that the episode before you we were chatting to the founder of uh, Square One Mail which is a new app that's only been launched over the last couple of weeks and it's going to really change the way we think about mail and so uh, if you have a chance if you're using your mail app uh, a lot this is uh, Square One Mail uh, if, you go, if you go to squareonemail.com and uh, the founder was uh, Branky, Branky Cern and he uh, yeah talked about his, this uh, revolutionary uh, app and uh, he, he admits that, that we're just totally chained to our mail. Uh, we probably check yeah. our mail 30, 30 days, 30 times every hour, he said. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, it's, um, 
it, it is. We are chained to our mail, and and for someone like me with various think business interests going on, uh, and not unlike others, I, I have four different email accounts. Now, of course, I I on the iPhone I merge them all so I can see them all in one thing. But you know, just managing email is just a crazy thing. Yeah, well, that, you should check that. I want that check check that one out because he uh, has done this reinvention of of mail, and he, one of his biggest arguments was that. Uh, it should not be the case where a an email from your wife or from your daughter it is given the same uh, priority as an email from Amazon, you know, telling you about the local deals. But that seems to be the case. It just comes through streaming through, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Uh, so they've they've changed everything there. But um, wow, that would be great. Uh, um, also, also, I'll tell you another little app that I I use quite a bit. Uh, and I really like it. it. It's a it's a little translator app um, because I, I deal with people that may not have uh, English as a first language a lot. And there's a little app, and I think mine's called My Language. But it has so many languages, and uh, I can just pick the language I want to translate to English. I can say it. It'll it'll say it out loud to the person if I can't communicate. I use it all the time when I travel, and. And so, you know, I think that's just great. It's not an app I use every day, but when I need to use it, it's like the best app. Isn't that amazing, the fact that we can actually use these apps uh, to translate now? Uh, I have tried to use Google Translate. I love it. and uh, I'll I'll definitely check. I'll put that on the show notes as well. Um, Yeah. You know, Steve, before we say goodbye, we've got a few minutes left. And uh, what I tend to ask uh, guests like yourself, entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs that have been in the game for a long time, a baby boomer. Uh, perhaps we can just have a quick think about your uh, current business and maybe some of the pain points you're seeing in your business. And the reason we like to explore this is maybe there is a potential app idea that we can discover from things that are frustrating you currently in, in your current business, things that... Um, you know, are are in need of a potential app solution. So have a think, take a moment, have a think about your business and and things that are frustrating you a little bit and perhaps we can explore the the concept of an idea for an app. Okay, well well, let me, let let me lay the groundwork for for some of your listeners. And so here I am, um, I'm probably not going to run the foundation I've been running for you know I may run it for another five years so I'm in a transitioning point in my own life one of the reasons that I put the book and our and my business plan for the next phase of my life is to speak more write more and consult more Um, and so I'm in the process of writing book two and then next year we're going to put out another book and so there's going to be a series of three so we're built we're trying to build a platform primarily a social media platform uh, that's going to promote that now Sorry, I know the name of your book as well. It should be called Become a Better App Developer in 30 Days. (laughs) Is that the the name? No, but but I'll tell you what the next two are. So so I'm currently – I'm writing the second one. And so we're using – you're on the right track, Paul. We're going to use the Become a Better in 30 Days. And so the next book – since I do a lot of consulting to boards, the next book is going to be called Become a Better Board Member in 30 Days. And then I have 
pretty good expertise in fundraising. And so the third book will be called Become a Better Fundraiser in 30 Days. And our plan is to put out a book a year over a three-year period with leadership having been the first one. But what, what would be really helpful, and it is a pain point for me right now, is um, I'm, I'm all over the place. I mean, my daughter's directing me, but it'd be lovely if there was just one place that I could go and simply, simply, not complicated, manage everything that I would like to do social media-wise and blog-wise and video-wise all in one little spot that I could then just distribute out to all my listeners. Now, now you know, I'm such a newbie that maybe that already exists and I just don't know it, but <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, great that, that's problem. kind of a pain point for me. Yeah, that's a wonderful problem and is definitely a, a need for an app. There is there is something out there that makes it a little bit easier and I recommend it. It's called uh, IFTTT. That's if this, then that. IFTTT. And uh, you set up these different recipes, they call them. And so... Uh, for example, you'll say, if I post on my Facebook page, please send out a tweet and post it onto my YouTube page. And so it does all these different things in the background, so you only have to do one thing. And uh, it's a little bit awkward to use uh, for the first time, but uh, once you set it up, it just runs automatically. So maybe your daughter can... Uh, help you download that one and uh, have a look into it and we'll have to we'll definitely have to look that yeah but, but it, that's but, but that's kind of a you know uh, pain might be a strong word but but in this context yes that's that's a pain point you know and, and the other thing is when you're relating I don't even know how to explain this and, and maybe your listeners will understand better but Having been a very uh, relational public speaker person all my life, to now translate that into social media and to and to um, do things in such a way that elicit the emotional connection that you're looking for has been a challenge, also. And and so I'm working on it, and and I'm learning as we go, but. Um, I think for many people out of my generation who are making this transition, it, it's been a challenge. Well, I'm just thinking of uh, some of the things you've said. Uh, the f Firstly, this book, this third book that you're writing, um, which I believe you're going to call it uh, How to Become uh, or Become a Better, a better Funder, Funding. Fun fundraiser, yeah. Sorry, become a, yeah, now we, I can certainly put you in touch with a lot of the different guests we've had uh, that have been involved in startups and have gone through funding. And I believe that we had a guest as well, uh, one of the early episodes, uh, who was uh, totally involved in startups and funding and f from a CFO standpoint, a chief financial officer. So um, a lot of different stories back in the, the archives there. And Great. Yeah, so it... it What's incredible is that, uh, that we've, uh, we've managed to fill um, more than half an hour, and I could talk to you all day, I think, Steve. You're just an enjoyable person to listen to. Um, I love the things that you've done. You've been an inspiration to, to me listening to you. Um, is there anything else you feel we haven't covered yet that we should have touched upon? Any last words you'd like to leave the audience? Uh, yes, Paul, I, I would. Um, in my book, there's a chapter that I write on 
two things that should become your best friends, and it's risk and failure. I believe as leaders and as and as business people, and especially if you're involved in startups and innovative things, is that without the willingness to take risk, we will never ultimately be successful. And then secondly, anytime we take a risk, we're going to fail. And I never count failures against us. I think they're simply building blocks to future successes. And so I would want all of your listeners to really take a new viewpoint on risk and failure. They're not enemies. They're our friends. And I really appreciate you um, sharing that because um, it's advice that I wish I'd listened to. And uh, I do look at my past and, and look on those failures as um, learning experiences and um, yeah the the only thing I'd leave us with then is um, the final thing we need to do is just ask how we connect with you how we can best reach out to you well the, the easiest way to connect with me I have three easy ways to connect with me and that is on on Facebook I a fan page and if you just type, go to Facebook and type in become a better leader all in one word you'll connect with me I also have a blog called becoming a better leader blogspot.com and you can follow me on Twitter at 30 day leader and those are the those are the easiest ways to connect with me well Steve it just leaves me to say I really appreciate you coming on the app guy podcast and uh, we've thoroughly enjoyed your journey this afternoon and so please do, if you're listening to this, uh, I'd encourage you to go and check out the blog and uh, go and check out the Facebook page. And Steve, uh, we would love to have you back on when you have those two final books that you've got in the bag. Well, thank you, Paul. And I would really look forward to that. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy podcast goes out every Sunday and Thursdays. 